0: This morning, it's actually almost noon, so it's uh, close to uh, afternoon, but uh, we're going to enjoy this ride because there's a sense of adventure that we're going to be on this morning. And uh, I'd like to just introduce myself briefly, then we'll have an opening prayer, and we've got some multimedia clip, some other things to uh, introduce you to that I believe God's going to get your attention this morning. For those that don't know me, I'm Fred Weinhart from Kitchener, and uh, I'm a father of uh, two teens. Uh, Our oldest has just transitioned from teen to 20, but uh, I remember being a teen myself, and I got to admit, you guys have a different situation going on. The age of distraction has come. The Amount of bombardment of media, and the competition even for a talk like this—you've you, been fed sound bites, little clips to get your attention all the time—and the the traditional message is being lost in in all of this. But you know what? There's a power, the power of the Spirit that can override what you guys are facing right now with media bombardment. So let's invite Him. Let's invite the Holy Spirit this morning, to speak to every heart that's here. Let's bow our heads. Father in heaven, we thank you for the privilege to be here, for hundreds of teens to be here at this camp, a record-breaking camp where over a thousand have come. And Holy Spirit, you are on the move. You are working around this country and in Canada and countries of the world to call us to an awakening, to call us to be ready for what's coming. And we pray, Father, that your Holy Spirit would be here now in this teen form, that he would speak through me, that it wouldn't be my ideas, my words, but rather your voice, Holy Spirit, that would be speaking, calling us, calling these teens into a life of adventure, into a life that's beyond what they can imagine, a joy beyond what they can imagine. Lord Jesus, There is brokenness in this place. And you see into the hearts of some of those that have come here to camp, wanting something, hungry for something. And others have come here because they have to be here. Whatever the circumstances, Lord, we pray that you would work, not just with this forum, but this entire week for this group of teens. We thank you for them. They're the future church. You have a plan for them, Lord. Your word speaks that. I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And that's our prayer, Father, that you would release and open our eyes to that hope and future. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. This topic was given to me this spring, and I prayed a lot about it and asked God, what he wants to do with it, and the idea of purpose came to my mind that all of us, I'm sure every one of you, would not want a purposeless life. You just aimly wander around and have no purpose. But right now, that's foggy. For me, in my teens, I didn't see the plan that God had for me yet. I wish that I could time travel back to myself as a 16-year-old, But I was at camp, and I pushed him off and said, a later time, I'll deal with this. And I wish that I could time travel to that 16-year-old Fred and, and say, you know what, there's way more to this than you can imagine. If you step through this door of becoming a child of God, of entering into the kingdom, your life will take on a purpose and a meaning far more than what you can understand now. Miracles are going to happen. Doors are going to open. Lives are going to be touched. And fulfillment will happen. But I was a 16-year-old. I was distracted. Just like you. There was girls that I liked. Most of those never would pan out to be my wife. And I'm glad now that I see into the future that some of those girls that I liked, they, I'm glad that that didn't happen. Because what if we marry the wrong person? And the plans and purposes of of God are thwarted because of us fooling around with the wrong person. But God today is doing incredible work with willing teens in his church that answer the call to seek him and want to grow in Christ and walk daily in step with him. And So it, it begs an honest question that every one of us in this room, every one of you have to answer. Do you want a purpose in life, in an adventure, and rise above the distractions. And I believe deep down, every one of you that are here at camp want that. There's distractions, no question about it. But you want to rise above it. You want a life that counts. You don't want one day to stand before the throne and a video flashes of your life, and basically the pictures can show this camp... They can show decisions of your life. And there was a decision point where you took a turn for the wrong. And a series of wrong choices led you away from God's people. But you remembered that point when you were called. And the Holy Spirit said, now, don't delay. And you said, "I'll, I'll wait till next year. Or I'll wait till I'm done college. And that delay caused you to enter into a different path, like my friend, and I'm going to just make up his name, Jim, that's not his name, but I have a friend from Sunday school years ago who took that turn left, so to speak. Two failed marriages, broken, unemployed, mental health challenges, all because he didn't hear the call to join in this adventure. Do you have a mentor to help you? Because you can't and I can't do this life alone. We're going to cover that topic later to help you seek him to grow. Are you a mentor? Some of the older ones here. Are you a mentor to somebody else? What if part of your calling is that you take somebody younger under your wings, so to speak, and spend some time with them and befriend them? God has a plan for your life. Let him open your eyes to the many possibilities to make a difference in this world. Want to play a video clip? Got to break out of this. Hop over to YouTube, and hop over to this one. Many of you know, or have heard of Nick Voicich. In his young years, at ten, he wanted to commit suicide, because he thought he had no purpose. But God took a life without arms and legs, and credibly used him. I think I'm going to go full screen first. And my
1: parents had no idea that I was going to be born without arms or legs. I was the only one that I saw without limbs.: Sorry about that.: try. Uh, With Rick 15, after reading about going to be born without arms or legs, I was the only one that I ever saw without limbs. My faith in Jesus Christ was sealed after seven years of wondering why, God, I was born this way. Uh, he answered me very clearly through John chapter 9. And I gave my life to Jesus at 15 after reading about how he came across a man who was born blind. And I'm like, hey, hold on a second. This looks interesting. <laughs> and no one knew why he was born that way. I'm like, Perfect. So I read on and in verse 3 of the ninth chapter, Jesus said it was done so that the works of God would be revealed through him. And I'm like, wow, God, if you had a plan for the blind man, you do have a plan for me. And that was the beginning of my personal relationship with Jesus. Youth groups were starting to call me, churches were starting to call me, opportunities were opening up everywhere for me to share my testimony. I was speaking in front of 300 sophomore public high school students. Three minutes into it, half the girls were crying. One girl in the middle of the room started weeping. She put up her hand and she said, I'm so sorry to interrupt, but can I come up there and give you a hug? In front of everyone. She came and she hugged me. She cried on my shoulder and whispered in my ear. No one's ever told me that they love me. No one's ever told me that I'm beautiful the way that I am. I couldn't believe it. It changed my life. That was when I knew I was called to be a worldwide evangelist. Today, do not leave your you Leave your You don't know what God can do with your broken pieces until. Give God your broken pieces. And I want you to know when you fall down, God's grace is sufficient. God's hand will come down and pick you up. Give you the strength to get back up. By the grace of God, we have seen face to face a half a million souls say yes to Jesus and be plugged into a local church. As crazy as it sounds, Our goal at Life Without Limbs Ministry is to preach to every single soul on the planet. Seven billion people. We believe that this goal is possible as the Holy Spirit is gathering an army and building up supporters to send us and accomplish this mission. Praise God.
0: How many have watched uh, a clip earlier and got to know a little bit about Nick Wojcic? Raise your hand. It's about half of you. Powerful testimony of a life that was redeemed that he thought was worthless. And now God is using him in incredible ways to touch hundreds, thousands for Christ. Just going to get back to our PowerPoint. In the Bible, as most of us know, there's some good examples, and there's some bad examples. The examples that I have up on the screen are ones that maybe you haven't thought about in the context of your stage in life right now. But on the upper right, Joseph was a teenager when he was sold into to Egypt. He's probably a little older now, but he was already close with God, he knew what he believed, he was committed, and the direction of his life was a direction of faith, not a direction of the things of Egypt. That's a picture of Potiphar's wife there, tempting him. And he says, I'm not going to do this wickedness. Then David, in the the battle of Goliath, he was a teenager. That's why Saul, the king, says, you can't fight him. You're a youth. And he's a, a warrior, But he had faith, and the battle was amazing, as you know. There's so many good examples in Scripture. And uh, the last one there on on the bottom right is Daniel, who was a youth taken into captivity, but he purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the junk of Babylon. And we are in a Babylon today. If we're honest, everywhere around us, The junk kind of stuff of crazy, decadence, immorality is all around us now. We don't have to go traveling for it. Let's be the Daniels and the Esters of our time. Joseph beat sexual temptation. David was a man of courage and faith, a deep relationship with God. Josiah, another one, stood firm on ethics. Daniel, his integrity, he wouldn't compromise with the things of Babylon. And there's other examples of the apostles. Um, Timothy was a young man who gave his life to Christ and entered into an adventure with the Apostle Paul beyond his imagination. And I, I struggled as a young believer to see the big picture until time went on and I began to understand that there's far more to the Christian life than what I thought. I kind of thought this. The mistake that I made as a teen was okay, if I give my life to Christ, touch that camp, I'll go home, I'll counsel, I'll get baptized, and that's a good thing because now I won't go to hell, number one. And the other thing is, you know what? God's going to direct me to the right career path, and that's a good thing. And uh, he's going to direct me to the right person to marry. And I don't want to marry the wrong person, and that's a good thing. And there's going to be clean living versus a lot of the junk of the world. And that's a good thing. But the devil lied on top of that and said, but you know what? You're going to be in kind of a box. And uh, you're going to be limited. And that's a lie. Because what appears to be limitations for joy, for amazing sense of purpose, isn't really there if you go deep with God. If you're the shallow Christian, you could feel that frustration. But as I was praying about this topic, the Lord gave me sort of like a parable or an analogy. It's not mine, actually. It's C.S. Lewis's. And it'll help us to wrap our heads around the adventure that we don't know about. Because all of us are like those four kids. And we want a life of purpose and adventure. We want to rise above the distractions. And sometimes we're bored. And... Phones, entertainment, gaming, all of that stuff is the distraction from the boredom. But they don't count, and we want our time with things that count. So, how many of you have watched the movie or read the books? I'm hoping for 75, Mo, oh, I think I got 90. Maybe 95% have watched the movie or read the books. So, I'm going to ask you a few interactive questions. On the next page, Lucy's coming up to the wardrobe. What was she doing? Playing hide and seek. seek. That's right. What was happening outside that day? Rain. They're bored. They're indoors. They're trying to come up with some games, some distractions. What she didn't know was that going through that wardrobe, she wouldn't find the wood at the back. Right. She would enter into this. And later she would try and tell her brothers and sisters, come with me through the wardrobe. Did they believe her? No. They thought she was nuts, like especially one of the younger brothers. And, of course, it was true. She was in a whole new world of possibilities and adventure. And the Lord began to speak to me, the Christian life is this way. There's limited vision of what we have as a young person. Once we make a commitment and go through the doorway of walking with Jesus, the possibilities are endless. The the joy, the sense of adventure is going to be incredible. The problem, though, is it's not a picnic. Uh, It's not all happy-go-lucky. Hollywood movies always have this often good ending that is, is there. But just like they... and entertained danger, they entered an epic battle between good and evil. Entering into the Christian life, we enter an epic battle as well. The forces of darkness want to attack us, but the good news is that we are not left defenseless. So, does anybody remember who that is on the left there? I think most of you would. Peter, thank you. He was given two things there that you could see, the sword and the shield. And C.S. Lewis, in his wisdom with this analogy, knew that these people need to be equipped in this fight between good and evil. So the sword we read about in Ephesians 6. The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. You're at camp here. The Word of God, the Holy Spirit uses It's powerful, it's sharp, the Bible says. It's able to cut asunder even to the bone and the marrow. It's alive. And if you push it out, if you tune it out, if you put on the earplugs for the word of God, you're taking a defense weapon out of your hand, an offensive weapon that you can't cut the enemy down with. And you're going to open doors. The shield of faith is another one. In this adventure, in this walk, without faith, without believing that God loves you, without faith to believe that Jesus is real. And maybe some of you have come from an unchurch background. Most of you, I believe, are from a church background. But maybe some of you, by the time you got to school, high school, it was like me at 16. And I, I went to my cousin, and I said, but how do I know that God is real? And she said, well, you just shared with me that a camp you felt this powerful drawing, this stirring in your heart. If there's nothing out there in the cosmos, where is that? How is that possible that you're feeling this draw? And she had me there. Intellectually, she had me. It made sense that the only explanation for that draw, that conviction, was the Holy Spirit and the power of God that was was speaking. And so in this adventure of the battle between good and evil, we need faith. Faith to believe that he is. And if faith is attacked with you guys this week, by whatever dynamics are going on in your relationships, in your friendships, with whatever the enemy might throw at you, if faith is attacked to the point where you sort of tune it out, you have dropped your shield. And the enemy can do those fiery darts. The shield of faith that's able to quench the fiery darts of the wicked one. You might not have thought of this in the movie or in, the, in the, the book, but Susan was given a horn. Does anybody know the first time she blew it? And first of all, what was the instructions with the horn? Yeah, if you're ever scared or lost, blow the horn and help will come, right? Prayer is one of the most powerful things That you can imagine. God has given us the invitation to talk to Him. Think of it the Creator of the universe says, Come, talk to me. Just tell me what you're feeling, tell me what you're going through. You and I, throughout the day, at night, we can come and talk to the One that made us and ask Him for wisdom, ask Him to help us, ask Him for encouragement. And if you're not saved, which most of you are not, say, Lord, I want to be part of your family. I want this that I'm in hearing about, but I don't know how to do it. And I've tried it before and it hasn't worked. I desperately need you to come into my life. And I'm sorry for what I've done. Be honest with him and invite him in. And he's going to do amazing things. We might need some emergency power here because this should not fall asleep like this this I think happened as well in the other forum that uh, it's not really on so we'll just let this boot up the laptop fell asleep here it seems like the plug is not live so when there's no power uh, the laptop uh, goes to a sleep mode so we'll Hopefully, it'll wake up soon. Yeah, I do have it on a thumb drive as well if we need to switch it. Did someone check the chairs there? I was sitting there, and the thumb drive might have fallen out there. Actually, I'm back up here. No, that's yours. I was sitting, but it's not in my pocket now. No. Oh, my goodness. Just keep talking. All right. Good thing that the Holy Spirit can improvise when technology lets us down. The Holy Spirit just reminded me of an experience with a young lady by the name of Karen. I was on my way back from Ohio and didn't know that there would be a hitchhiker at the side of the road in Niagara Falls going back to Canada. And I got across the Priest Bridge and just driving. And often I, I like to just be praying in the car and and sometimes play music. And all of a sudden I'm seeing this 16, 17-year-old girl with a studded neck, um, choker kind of collar, collar. Uh, you know, spiked wristbands, spiked hair, and the Holy Spirit says, pull over. And I go, whoa, whoa, I, I, I'm really not comfortable with this kind of stuff, Lord. But it was really clear I need to pull over. And so I pulled over, and I was praying, Lord, you have to be in charge here. So I ended up picking her up. She got in. And I was amazed at the power of the Holy Spirit giving me thoughts and ideas of what to share. She ended up telling me she wants to go home. She's tired of roaming the streets of Niagara Falls, going through dumpsters. She was selling her body in Niagara Falls to earn a living. But when she didn't turn a trick, she would go through dumpsters to find food. And I told her it's no accident that you're in this car with me because God has a plan for your life and he loves you. He put me here on this freeway right at the time that you needed this ride. And she began to cry. She took off her choker chain, neck thing, her wrists and she told me her story. She ran away from home, from out east, New Brunswick, She just wants to go home. She has no hope. And I began to explain the gospel to her. That God loves her. That he knows about her. And that she can make a difference. Or that he can make a difference in her life. And so Karen rode with me. And we were coming up to this point where she wanted to go to Toronto. Hop on a Greyhound bus in Toronto. And then continue out east. And... It turned out that uh, just before that crossroads, I thought, she needs to come all the way to Kitchener. She needs to be invited into one of our homes and that people would show her the love of God. We're just going to wait for... uh, The laptop uh, is now booting. Um, It's doing Windows updates. The... uh, The story of Karen continues because, and maybe this is exactly why God allowed this to happen. I'm going to go into more details with this than maybe I would have. So I said, you know what? Back home in, in Kitchener, there's a family that can take you in. My brother and his wife. My brother Werner and his wife Joanna. They would love to help you. Take you in, give you a warm meal. A place to sleep for tonight. Would you like that? Tears were coming down her cheeks. She said, yes. I want that. So we got to Kitchener, called up my brother, took her over there. She started coming to church with them for a month. She watched videos from Focus on the Family, a Christian organization that has a lot of uh, you know good teaching material to help uh, youth, especially troubled youth uh, that might have uh, been in her circumstances. And people showed her love. My brother's family, their kids, And she said to me later, I didn't know that families like this could exist where there was so much love and that I could see God's love at work. So she came week after week for about a month, maybe a month and a half. Time would come where she wanted to get on a bus and go home. And uh, she wanted Jesus in her life. But uh, she had a lot of things to work through. But one thing that she resolved in her heart was that she's going to look up her grandma because she knew that she was a Christian. And that her home was broken. But if she could connect with her grandma, she could maybe go to church with her grandma. So I felt led to give her a pocket New Testament. I put my business card in there. And I said, call us at some point when you get back home. Tell us how things went. So there was long silence for about six months. And then I got a phone call at work. She says, hi, This is Kara. That's what she introduced herself. She actually lied a little bit about her name. She said, My name is actually Karen. I want to tell you what happened. And I want to thank you for what you and your brother and his wife and others did for me. I looked up my grandma. I started going to church with my grandma. And I gave my life to the Lord. And a life was rescued. Because of the power of God and us stepping into the adventure of hearing his voice and wanting to be part of it. And I'm amazed at the adventure that my life had taken and the turns that it took over the years. There was just far more than I thought. I began to enter into what one might call a book of Acts kind of Christianity, where God was showing up left, right, and center. and He was doing things that as a 16, 17, 18-year-old I didn't think was possible. But he wants to do that. And there is a storm coming that we heard about in the message last night. You were in the teen message, I believe. So you were not present with Edmund's message. But I want to just recap a few of the things that he said that are very relevant for every one of you guys. COVID and the storm of COVID is nothing compared to the next shoe that's going to drop. And it's going to drop soon. The next storm that's coming will change the money system, change the global economy, change how we live, change what we can afford. The way that everything works Will change the footprint of government and the reach of government will change. And if we're ready, if we're on board with Him, we're gonna make it. Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the earth. But those that are not with Jesus, the road is gonna be very, very bumpy. And you're gonna wonder, what do we do next? Families will be distraught without the community of believers as incredible power of God releases among his people, but in the world, a great falling away takes place as they turn further away from God. We need to be ready. Every one of us here, every one of you, needs to be ready for the storm that's coming. And you need to give your life to Jesus. And some of you have said, like I did, I'm going to do it next year. I think... This year, there's just some things in my life I'm just not ready. But don't take that chance. The storm could hit within the next year. And I'm not predicting, is it one year, is it two years? A shoe will drop soon that will change how things work. There's some facts that I can give you. I don't want to give timelines because I think that's one of the mistakes that people make in the end times is they have timelines of exactly when things are going to happen. But we know that There's something afoot. COVID taught us that. And it's time for a wake-up call. But Canada's government and United States' government is looking into something called CBDC, Central Bank Digital Currency, moving the money system away from the way it works now. We've got a lot of digital transactions, but we don't have a central bank digital dollar. In other words, the government central bank is not in control of everything. They want to switch that, to the Bank of Canada, controlling every single transaction. Commercials were being released in the last three months saying, what do you think, Canadians? What do you think of central bank digital currency? A lot of Canadians are saying no because it will change how surveillance happens. Every transaction they'll know about. And the United States, Biden is experimenting with the same thing, talking about it, trying to get momentum on this. They won't get it to happen until a crisis hits. They'll actually engineer the crisis. It should undo it. So the good news is that uh, we don't have to go this alone. We can enter into a relationship with God and with his son and enter into a, uh, a life that has a plan Jeremiah 29 is one of the slides that I want to show. I know the plans that I have for you. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. And there's another key piece in that chapter of Jeremiah that somebody shared with me when I was converting in my teens. He said, Fred, if you really want to give your life to the Lord, I want you to look up Jeremiah 29 and look at verses beyond 13. It says, and ye shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. If we go at half-hearted, and many of you have made a start, and you, you've wanted to commit your life to Christ, but it was half-hearted. It, the full heart wasn't there, and it didn't work. But if we do it with all our heart, no, nope, no, nope, no. Nope. It's going to undo the updates. Yeah, yeah. I've seen this before. It tries two loops of undoing the changes, and then eventually we'll come to the desktop. Yeah. So the bottom line, I guess, is that uh, God is on the move in this camp. This is a record-breaking camp, and he wants to do something in every life here this morning. But how does he do it? How does he get to a place where your life is touched, and changed. Well, part of it is the messages here at camp, what you're at home. But a lot of it will have to do with relationships and friendships and letting somebody into your life. Letting a mentor or a friend into your life. If you shut yourself off from godly influence, from older Christians or older teens, people that God wants to bring into your life, but you put the brakes on, That touch that he wants to do in your life can be thwarted. And you can miss out on early blessings. He does give other chances, and he did for me, three years in a row at camp. Finally, it was at 17, the third year, I was sitting in the pews, and I said, okay, God, I I think this is the year that I want to give my life to Christ And uh, I want to be saved now, and so you can go ahead and convict me. And I sat through the sermon, and uh, looks like we might be in luck here now. It's coming. There we go. Thank you, Jesus. finish that testimony of giving my life to the lord and then we'll hop back to narnia so i sat there listening to the message thinking i could control things and i felt nothing because was just nothing the sermon didn't phase me at all i didn't feel what i felt the years before and i started getting scared i thought what if i crossed the line of god's voice what if I said no too many times? And uh, he, being often reproved, the Bible says, shall be suddenly cut off in that without remedy. He that hardeneth his heart. You know, there, there's other verses that, that talk about the danger of uh, putting things off. Today, while you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. So... I began to pray and I said, Lord, please call me one more time. I'm sorry that I thought I could control things. Call me one more time. And the sermon was now over. It was switching to inspiration time and uh, lights were turned dim. The first number that got up sang a song, For Those Tears I Died. And right As that song started playing, the Holy Spirit just washed over me that I have not given up on you. I love you. I want you to come now. And I began to cry. I I knew that God loved me. I knew this was real. And the song that was playing in the background just underscored it. And Jesus had come to the waters and stand by my side. I know you're thirsty. You won't be denied. And I felt every teardrop when in darkness, you cried, and I strove to remind you that for those tears, I died. Powerful intervention of God. And that night, I counseled, I said, "I tried it a few times. I want to be all the way with Jesus this time, and uh, it just plugged into counseling back at home as well, follow-up. Uh, my brother uh, plugged me into talking to one of the ministers and uh, I opened up with my cousin and I gave my life to the Lord and what an adventure since then if we if we understand the possibilities that are there the power of a life of purpose the joy that is possible And the inheritance that we have, we would want to be these sons and daughters of the king. Our whole identity changes. We see ourselves in a new light. How do you see yourself today? Do you see yourself as someone that could be the son or the daughter of a king with a life of purpose and meaning? Or do you wonder, where is my life heading? I don't feel like I have purpose. But... We know that God's word teaches fundamentals about purpose. And the first purpose is to know him and to love him. And he's not a policeman in the sky. God is a father. Yes, he's a righteous judge as well. But he's a father who we can know and love. And he loves you, every one of you. And he loves me. And his second purpose is that we're part of his family. And that if you're not part of his family yet, why not? Is it because the enemy has tricked you in some way to push it off? I believe that deep down, every one of you do want to be part of his family. But you can't do it on your own. And that's where the third purpose comes. The purpose to become like Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's power will help you to be saved and help you to live this life, this adventure with God. The fourth purpose that we're going to go into deeper in the next slides is to love him by loving and serving others. And the, the joy of that is incredible. The fifth purpose is to make a difference in this world, to make a unique contribution with our gifts and talents. Do you know him as a father who delights in his children? In Luke 11:13, 13, he says, If earthly fathers know how to give good gifts, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts or the Holy Spirit to them that ask. There's actually a parallel passage in two chapters. One says good gifts and one says the Holy Spirit. God delights in giving good things to you. How many have heard a lie of the enemy that says, if I sign up for Christianity, that might not be good. That might be boring. That might be not the best. There's a lie out there about that, right? But the, the, the truth is, He knows us best. He made us. And He's a good God. He's a Father. And He's the King of kings. And He has good plans for His children. I quoted this verse earlier. Underline it in your Bibles if you brought them with you. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me. And I will listen and you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. Key takeaway from this forum is seeking him with all your heart, not half the heart. The second purpose is being part of his family and being part of a church family. We've got lots of different church families represented here today. But here's a question that if you're honest... Are you active in that family or a bench warmer? Answer this to yourself. I'm not asking for an out loud answer. Do you get involved somehow in your church? Even if you're not fully there yet, you're seeking him, you want to be baptized hopefully soon, but are you involved now? If you're waiting until you're baptized before you get involved, you're making a mistake because God wants to use you now. That's part of the growing process to even make a difference if you're not part of youth group if you have alternate friends if you're if there's a youth group car wash and you're not part of that you're just off doing something different all the time you're not part of God's family then and you're missing out with amazing things God gives more gifts and talents to those that exercise the initial gifts this is a very interesting principle Some might say, well, you know what, I would want to be this in the kingdom of God. You know, I want to be an evangelist or I want to be, you know, a preacher or or this or that. But if we don't start with some of the smaller things that God calls us to do, like being part of a team that visits an old age home or part of a, a fundraiser, part of Operation Christian or Christmas Child where you're. You're collecting supplies and and little gifts and putting it in a box. If you don't start with those, you're going to discover this verse will apply to you. He is faithful in what is least, is faithful also in much. But he who is unjust in that which is least, is also unjust in much. Therefore, if you've not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon or money, who will commit you to trust true riches? Even as a teenager, are you giving? Some of you have part-time jobs. Some of you have allowances. Are you giving back into the kingdom? There's a powerful principle of giving, and that faithfulness starts now. There's a joy in being part of God's family. The other purpose is to make us like Jesus. Now, initially, you might think, well, that's impossible. I can't be like Jesus. He did so many things. And... But... If you understand Jesus' character, you understand that he had compassion for others. He had a love for others that was amazing. He had a sense of purpose. He was close to the Father. And the joy, the Bible says, the joy that was set before him allowed him to endure the cross. By being like Jesus, you will have a joy set before you to allow you to get through life's junk the trials, the tough things of life. But we have a choice. We can put Jesus on the throne of our heart, or the other picture there shows self on the throne. And if self is on the throne, there's a lot of guilt and jealousy and critical spirit, frustration, aimlessness, impure thoughts, very little desire for Bible study, a lot of disobedience and sin, unbelief, ignorance of our spiritual heritage. But if we flip it over and let Jesus on the throne, the power of the Holy Spirit, a love for introducing others to Jesus, our prayer life transforms, our love for God and His Word transforms. We begin to trust Him and obey Him. So many things happen when we become more like Jesus. And the whole idea is inviting Him into our heart. Not just one time when we're saved, but again and again, say, Jesus, you take control of my life i want you in my life and we can then walk in the power of the spirit as you become a believer one of the lies for me was can i be faithful can i make it to the end so i'm going to hold off until i'm sure that i'm going to start off right and maybe have enough momentum to get to the end but that's not how it works we need to understand that we get a gift the holy spirit He's a down payment, the Bible says, for what's to come. That gift is going to do incredible things in our lives. He's going to do the fruit of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit. There's just so much that, uh, that whole topic that God's going to open up that door. Imagine that word picture again of the Narnia. The door opened up a whole different world. Things that they didn't even believe were possible were now possible. And as the Christian life, we, we're going to discover that the power of prayer and the power of the Holy Spirit makes things possible that we were thinking was not possible. There's joy in blessing others. And the fourth principle that we talked about or the purpose is loving God through loving others. If there's another takeaway from this forum, is the acronym JOY. J-O-Y. Jesus first, others second, yourself last. How many have heard that before? Some teaching somewhere. Raise your hand if you've ever heard of the acronym JOY. It's about a third of you, not quite. All of us want to be happy and to be joyful. Selfishness doesn't get us there. Entertainment doesn't get us there. Getting involved in other people's lives is a joy. It bounces back. We're part of a team. We're visiting some elderly person and, and bringing a smile to their face, and there's joy. We're not saying you can't do gaming, the last slide there. We're not ruling out you can't go to Cedar Point or you can't do this and you can't. That's not what it's about. But think of the joy of bringing a friend to a fun thing and spending time with somebody in a balanced way with a fun thing and now you're making a difference in another life instead of just selfish, interactive, gaming, purely alone, So much that we can do with our time and our energy that can be constructive. There's a lot of distractions and a lot of time wasters. And I think of my friend who I call Jim, that's not his name, who could have had a life of touching other lives. And now he's way past 50 and he hasn't led one person to Christ. Maybe he's helped a few people here and there. But no one ever saw a gospel witness in his life because he never gave his life to Christ. And he'll perhaps die without Jesus. I'm still in contact with him and and sharing the hope that is in the gospel still with him. Maybe at his deathbed he'll come. But there's power in doing good. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially to those who are as a household of faith. And if we give money, time, it's going to come back to us. You want a life that good things bounce back? God has a universal law of sowing and reaping. If you sow good seeds, you're going to get seeds sown back. Lots of promises in the Bible. He's going to, Luke 6 says, Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be put into your being, your bosom. For those with the same measure that you use, it will be measured to you. If you're stingy with your life, life is going to be stingy back. Our fifth and final purpose, think of the gifts and talents and the skills that God has given you already at this point. And you won't know what those are in five years. There's going to be a a new set of gifts and talents in five years from now. But think of what he's given you right now. You can use that for his kingdom. And uh, I'm going to call up Megan to share an experience of how God is using her in her local church. While she's sharing, if anybody has another experience that you want to share, I want you to feel free to volunteer.
2: Um, For those of you who don't know me, my name is Megan Ritzman, and my home church is Ancaster, Ontario. Um, About four or five years ago, my mom wanted to help the community, um, and she came up with some ideas. The one that I am involved with is what we call um, Blessing Bags, um, Homeless Kits for the Homeless. Um, What we do is we basically sign up to buy certain things for the bags, Um, This can be something like hats or gloves, ponchos. We even got like New Testament Bibles, um, toothbrushes, like all kinds of stuff that they might need. Um, And then what we'll do is we will pack them in Ziploc bags. And then we'll take a couple, put them in our cars. And then whenever we're driving around um, and we see someone on the side of the street, If we are able, we can give it to them. And it's a great conversation starter, um, especially if, you know, you're stopped at a red light or something. I've done it before where, you know, you ask their name, um, if they have any prayer requests, and then um, just tell them that Jesus loves them. And seeing the smile on their faces is, is very encouraging. And, yeah, that's one of the things.
0: Thank you, Megan. God, God is using others that are in this group already. If anybody wants to share, I know it's not easy, maybe coming forward with a group of 200 or more. But uh, come on, just, just uh, raise your hand if you want to share something. I can even pass the mic to you if you'd rather not come down. If, if God is doing something through you and you want to share something, raise your hand. You can think about it while I share this next one. Back home, there's uh, a man that uh, has been an IT colleague. Uh, He was working for my company years ago, and um, he ended up uh, branching out on his own, uh, his own business, made a lot of money, and uh, about a year, maybe a year and a half into making a lot of money, he started dabbling with crack cocaine, and uh, everything spiraled down from there. Not only was it an expensive habit, and an addictive habit, but he couldn't function properly anymore. And uh, he lost his marriage. Uh, the wife wanted him to seek help, and he, he just struggled to get the right help, uh, thinking he could do it on his own. And so he lost access to the kids. He lost all of his customers. He was self-employed, making over 150000 a year. And everything tumbled down when he turned and made a mistake with some of the junk that's out there. And Not everybody makes that exact mistake, but you can make a bunch of other mistakes that are almost as bad, like my friend Jim. And a life gets wasted. And he's been in and out of the hospital and... Several of us men at church are reaching out to him. But there's a long road back to Canaan for him. So much scars. So much damage. And that's the big lie of the enemy. Have some fun now. You can come back. You can give your your life to Christ later. But it's a lie. Because he knows if he hooks you and takes you deeper and deeper, he knows that sin will take you farther than you want to go. And it'll make you pay more than you want to pay. So don't do it. While you're young, give your life to Christ. And enter into this adventure and don't put it off. And you'll discover there's a whole new door that's going to open up beyond your imagination. Miracles can happen. Just like the miracle of Kara. Karen really is her name. of You could be that life that invites a friend to a youth group event and that life is changed because of you. Think of that, the power of a life that's changed because you made a unique difference. You're going to get different gifts and callings. God is calling all of us. Some of you are already Christians, He's calling you into a deeper walk with Him. Discover the power of prayer, discover that there's more to it and mission trips, short term. If you can't commit to like a month or two somewhere, that's fine. But maybe there's a two-week or a one-week trip somewhere to Little Hands Orphanage that you can help out and visit it and see it and help out for a week or two and watch God work through you and change you into who he wants you to be. How many of you have had an opportunity to go on a trip, a missions trip? Uh, Raise your hand. So I see about 20 hands maybe. Let's change that number so that in a few years from now, we've got almost all of you that have done a short-term trip. That was one of the doorways of change for me. When I went to Brazil, to Canaan Ministries, to the orphanage there, went to the Amazon of Brazil, then later went to Ghana, Africa, and God showed me a type of Christianity that's on fire for him, and it changed me. It changed my prayer life. And it took me out of the North American mentality and into this adventure that's possible. Does anybody think of an experience they'd like to share as I've given you some time? Lunch? All right. Yep, you're right. I lost track of the last five minutes. Thank you all for coming.